morning, everyone. Great to have you here. If you're visiting with us today, let me add my uh, welcome as well. We are glad you're visiting our church and perhaps entering into a season of life where you're really wanting to take God seriously. This message this morning is for people that want to take God very seriously. All right, it was a good week at Wheaton Bible Church. It was an especially good week upstairs in the hidden sanctuary where all the offices are. Here's why. Once a month on Tuesday afternoons, all of the pastors and all of the directors, about 30 of us, we get together and we work together and we pray together for one reason, that we as individuals will be better at sharing our faith with other people. You see, the truth is, we work 45 to 60 hours a week just caring for you, and we like you. But you need us to be talking to people in Starbucks, neighbors, around the world, just like you do. So that's what we did. And sometimes, as I'm pressing things into that group, I can sense that everybody's saying, I'm already too busy, this is kind of scary. Yeah, we all struggle with fear when it comes to talking about Jesus to other people. But the gang is good. And so this week was especially good because on Thursday, one of the pastors came into me smiling, happy, and it was all because one of the people that we started praying with him for had responded, and he was looking open to opportunities for increasing friendship to be able to also talk about Jesus. He was so full of joy. The next day, email comes in from another one of our pastors, and this pastor ends his email by saying, I'm in tears right now because he had been allowed the wonderful, wonderful privilege of being present when a human being is being born again in Jesus Christ. And he was crying. I mean, I couldn't tell because it was in print, but he said he was. <laughs> After the first hour, uh, John and his family sit right there. John just started an outreach in his marketplace world in downtown Chicago. He came up to me and he said, Lon, it's exactly right. On Friday night, I was sitting next to a woman in this small group discussion, and she decided she wanted to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Gang, this is God's new normal. It's not even supposed to be rare. It is supposed to be happening all the time. I know that because that's what happened in the early church. Look at these verses that kind of sum up what it was for them. Acts 4, verse 20 says this. They literally couldn't help but speak. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Now, I used a little deal last week about In-N-Out burgers and being able to, you can't not tell people about an In-N-Out burger. Thanks to those of you who sent pictures from all over the West Coast this week to me showing me e you were eating an In-N-Out burger. So the good news was spreading throughout the world. All right. Well, that's nothing compared to this. Look at this next text that comes from Acts chapter 542. In fact, it's kind of my key verse for the whole book of Acts. Day after day in the temple courts and the public square from house to house, they just never stopped 
teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So there's your two big ideas. They just never stopped, and they couldn't help it. <laughs> it's not like they were doing it out of forced duty. I am a robot. I serve God now. I must share my faith. You must listen. No. When you've discovered the grace of Jesus Christ, one of the best aspects of God's overwhelming love for us is he gives us the privilege of telling other people what we're learning about him and loving him. That's a part of the grace. So we talked about the unstoppable God. We've talked about the unstoppable church. Last week I talked about the unstoppable gospel. Now today, unstoppable Christians. 33 times in the book of Acts, 33 times, it speaks about individuals coming to faith, groups coming to faith, rich people, poor people, whole regions of the world coming to faith. It's, it was the new normal. It was a contagion. And I think we can have it too because we've been plugged into the story of the epic dimensions of God's rescue of the world. Okay, so let's zoom in. If you have a Bible, would you open it, please, to Acts chapter 3 and 4? Open it up, turn it on, scroll it down, whatever modality you want to use. This is a good thing. Now, in Acts chapter 3 and 4, uh, we kind of see how this new normal started taking shape. So flow with me here. This is going to take attention to stay with me. Starts in chapter 3, verse 1. Okay? Now I'm going to just tell part of the story, and then I'll read part of the story. So right there in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it says that they were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon, and a man who was lame from birth interrupts Peter and John, and this person says, please, can you give me money because I can't work to make my own way? And some of you know this story. Peter says, I'm sorry. We got no gold. We've got no silver. Silver. S-I-L-V-E-R. No gold, no silver, but what we do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. Whoa. Remember my first week when I preached on Acts? I, I talked about that Greek word, hua. <laughs> now, it's more marine than it is Greek. But the, so this guy stands up. He had been lame from birth. He's jumping for joy, and he can't help telling people about it. It starts to spread through all Jerusalem. All right, by the time that event takes place, the church was over already over 3,000 people. The word was spreading throughout Jerusalem. This event will take it up to over 5,000, 10,000 people. Why? Because after he was healed and the crowd started gathering, Peter tells them why. He talks about the great event, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he says, all of you can be healed. We're not talking about physical. We're talking about the more important healing, the healing of the human soul so that it may dwell forever with the living God. Incidentally, that's why God heals bodies. I mean, he likes bodies made well. 
But if you ever wonder why your prayer isn't answered for a physical healing, you've got to leave that to the Lord. The physical healings in the book of Acts and the New Testament were only done so that it would point to the greater healing that was available for every human being. That's always been God's top gun right there. New birth in Jesus Christ. So that's going on and on and on. Crowds gather. Uh, he's preaching to them, etc., etc., etc. That takes us into chapter 4. All right? Chapter 4, some of the priests and the temple soldiers hear what Peter and John are saying. You see it right there in verse 1, chapter 4. And they were, uh, the actual is really ticked off, okay? Greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people that Jesus rose from the dead. So they seize Peter and John. And because it was nighttime, they put him in jail. This is the beginning of persecution that comes at Christian people. This is the beginning right there. The next day, the priests gather Peter and John before them, and they say, what have you been saying to people? What have you been doing? You just need to stop it. Okay, I'm summarizing. you got to stop this, guys. And I, I love Peter's great response in chapter 4, verse 12. There it is. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we can be saved, by which we can be rescued. No other name in heaven except Jesus Christ, rescuer of the world. Pretty good. Pretty good. Well, they say, okay, but stop doing this. Stop doing this. Verses 13 through uh, 22 are them saying, stop doing this. Stop doing this. Stop, do stop talking. Quit talking about what you believe. This goes against our religion, so stop doing it. It says that they give threats to them, verse 21. They threaten them. What did they threaten them with? Well, they'd already been in jail. Maybe they said, well, you're going to be in jail forever and ever, amen, if you keep doing this. Or maybe they say, your life is in danger because in just three chapters, the first Christian will be killed because of faith in Jesus Christ. Well, after further threatening them, they then release them. And so in chapter 4, verse 23, they go back to the church leaders James and John show up. They reported in what had happened in their night in jail. They talked more about God healing this guy. And then look what they do, everybody, in verse 24 of chapter 4. They just start praying. And they prayed the way that Will prayed for us this morning. He lifted up the sovereign God and the God of all grace who loved us beyond measure. And they elevate that, the sovereign God. And they prayed to God and they gave him praise that for all of history he had been saying these days would come and they had come. They even praised God for orchestrating even the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They center themselves on the majesty of the one God of the universe. That's praise prayer. I like the fact that they chose to pray instead of strategize. I think we think and strategize too much. I think we pray too little. They decided before anything else, let's just really go to God. 
praise. But then, in verse 29 of chapter 4, their prayer changes. And this I want to read. I want to read verses 29 through 35. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak the word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal. Perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God boldly. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, put it at the apostles' feet. It was distributed to anyone who had need. Okay, leave your Bible open right there because we're going to deal with those verses. I think what you're going to see is happening is that the early church recognized that they could do three things in being obedient to God. They could do three things out of their love for God. They could do three things because the Spirit of God within them was motivating them to do those three things. And you're going to see all three in this chapter. Here's how we think of them. Three biblical actions. Number one, prayer witness. Notice hyphenated term. Prayer witness, care witness, and share witness. Prayer, care, share, share, share. How many of you have ever seen me do the cha-cha to this? Okay. About four years ago is the last time I taught this to the whole church. So it's prayer, care, share, share, share. All right. So it's, this is what they did. They talked to God. They displayed their love. And they told them about Jesus. Prayer, care, and share. If you're around our church very long, you'll hear those three words because they're all right here. Verse 29, prayer witness. Lord, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They start with prayer, and look what they do. They ask God for help to be bold because they are scared. The early church was scared. The apostle Paul was scared. Lon Allison is scared, and he gets paid to do this. And you're scared. Let's start right there. You'll always be scared to tell people about Jesus. It just goes with the territory, gang. Please don't think you have to wait till you're not scared, because if you do that, you will never share your faith. But when we have fear, this example says pray. Ask God for boldness. Just start there in prayer. And look what happens in verse 31. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, an earthquake. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And what? Look what happens. They what? Spoke the word of God boldly. They asked for boldness. They got boldness. 
Boldness doesn't eradicate fear. Boldness gives the ability to step over fear and keep talking anyway. That's what happened to them. Later in the New Testament, a second kind of prayer witness takes place. Not so much praying for ourselves as praying for men and women and boys and girls that don't know Jesus. When Paul is training Timothy to become the pastor of the church of Ephesus, he says, I urge, first of all, that prayer be offered for everyone because God desires everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So Paul started teaching this, what we call prayer witness. Now, we provided a card for you today in your program folder. Would you pull that out? Reaching the world for Christ. We haven't done these for like four years, but some of you may have some old ones. And, and this is where we encourage us to think of friends, relatives, acquaintances, and neighbors, people we know who do not have a personal, living, born-again relationship with Jesus Christ. And you just start praying for them. Just start praying for them. That's what the Apostle Paul told Timothy to do and teach in Ephesus. So we're teaching it in West Chicago uh, 2,000 years later. We made it this size so that as you put names down, you can keep it in your Bible, you can keep it in your prayer notebook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's there for you. Now, uh, when you start doing this and you do it regularly, things will start to happen. I have been given permission to tell you stories today from a guy in our church. His name is Greg Cox. Greg couldn't be here this morning because he's working in Carmel, California. Working in Carmel, oxymoron, all right? One of the most beautiful places on the planet, but, but he had to be out there working. But he's been telling me stories. Okay, so let me just give it to you as quickly as I can. In 2009, I taught this concept on a Sunday morning in January. Greg took it seriously. He also tells me that I said, make sure when you write down names that you put some real doozies on your list. A doozy is a person that you don't think really has any chance of ever coming to know God. All right? So he put down five names, everybody. And he's been keeping in touch with me. Prays for them regularly. And he told me that within two years, two of the five names on his list are people who had entered into a personal relationship with God. That's great. That would be a huge win right there. My list has got about 30 names on it. And if I get one or two a year that cross over uh, and these people come to know God, I'm extremely thrilled. But he had five, two within two years. The third person came a little bit later, and it was the husband of a co-worker. Here's the story. He had put that man's name on his list. And he knew about it because the, the, the wife was so concerned for her husband to find God. And so Greg said, I'll join you in praying. And he did. I don't know when it was, last year or the year before, Greg says, on a Sunday morning, I was sitting in church, and you or Rob or someone was talking again about people coming to Jesus, and that man's face just came into my mind. So sitting right here in our church, I interceded for him at that time. Monday morning, 
a woman walks into his office. It's this co-worker. And she says, you'll never guess what happened yesterday. And Greg said, did your husband become a Christian yesterday? She goes, yes, how did you know? He says, well, I didn't. What time did this happen for him? She told him the time. At the time Greg Cox was praying, sitting here, a man was giving his life to Christ in another church in Naperville at the same time. Hoo-wah. Yeah. Nah, 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 nah. Okay. Scott, wait till you hear this one. Uh, Scott and I love to share these kind of stories together. Wait till you hear this. You thought that one was cool. All right. This Greg Cox, he's scary because he takes prayer serious, prayer witness. All right. Another, the, the, the four, fourth of the fifth on his list was a man who said, I can't ever become a Christian. And Greg said, why? He said, because my wife's an atheist. And if I ever became a Christian, she'd throw me out of the house. That's kind of weird, but you know, could happen, I suppose. All right. So this guy, Greg just, he knew he couldn't talk with him, although he did invite the man to come to our Alpha program one time. And he came one night and didn't come back. Time went on. Then this man, who's another co-worker with Greg in his office, leaves the firm and goes somewhere else. He didn't know what happened, but he just kept praying. Because you can do prayer witness when you can't do share witness. You can do prayer witness 24-7, 365 globally. This last fall, October 2015, he gets an email. Greg, wanted you to know I have given my life to Jesus Christ. How did it happen? They're involved in another church. Started going to the Alpha program in that church. And in an Alpha course, he gave his life to Christ. And then he says to Greg, and oh, by the way, my wife did too. Yeah. Okay? All right. Got it? Clear? Have I said enough about this? Do this, everybody. Now, somebody's saying out there, and you have every right to, I've been praying for 25 years for a precious person in my life, and they haven't come yet, and this guy gets five out of six. <laughs> and I just want you to know, I don't understand God's timing. Two weeks ago, I got a call from a distant cousin. I'd shared Jesus with her when I was in my 20s. She lived in Montana, I lived in California, but we would travel, and, and evidently I shared with her. And she knew I'd been praying for her. Two weeks ago, Wednesday night, I returned a call to her. She said, Lonnie, I know for a long, long time you've wanted me to know God personally. I want you to know I've given my life to Jesus Christ, and I want to thank you for the part you played. I didn't do hardly anything except shared once or twice and then prayed and prayed and prayed 40 years prayer witness prayer witness i love the way greg ended this whole thing up greg says this left me in awe he doesn't need to see lame walk he has seen the power of God to bring people to himself that you couldn't imagine. And he used words like, this has left me in awe, 
I am experiencing the supernatural. Signs and wonders. The greatest sign and the greatest wonder is when a human being turns from self and turns to God because the God of the universe has drawn them to himself. Prayer witness. That's number one. The second one is care witness. Care witness. Now, watch this. Because you can use prayer and care all together. One of the coolest things you can do is, is when you're with strangers, people that come to your door to sell magazines or newspapers, uh, absolute strangers, as you talk to them for a few minutes and you hear what's going on in their life, you can just gently say, well, would you mind if I'm a person who loves God? Can I pray for you about that? And the offering of prayer to people we barely know almost always results in them fe feeling deeply loved. Yeah. That's what we call care witness. When people who don't know God yet begin to experience a supernatural grace and love that comes from God's people. Care witness. Look at this chart that we have on the screen for you here. It's a way of kind of seeing the world that God has placed around you. You're in the center. You've got friends. You've got relatives, acquaintances, neighbors. And then the outer circle is strangers. You see that? Well, you, you can put names to four of those five categories. And so you start praying for them on your prayer list. And then you ask God for opportunities to simply care for them in special ways. Look at verses 32 through 35 chapter 4 all the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own they shared everything they had and with great power the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them and not only among them, all around them. The, the, the people of Jerusalem loved this new thing, this new Christian thing happening. Why? Because they were outpouring love wherever it was needed. It was a radical generosity of loving people beyond the expected. We try to do that in our church. We work hard at that through our Puente program in West Chicago through our administered justice, through our hunger care. We, uh, Chris McElway, Pastor Chris told me this week that in 2015, you gave over 10,000 volunteer hours for providing care to people who aren't a part of our community of faith. That's great. Our, our neighborhood Bible clubs, 20 of them, or so maybe it was 23 I can't remember and all the various neighborhoods we had 1300 children come during the summer to learn songs and, and play together and learn Bible stories over 300 of those children made a spiritual decision for Jesus Christ this year we had over 700 people make faith decisions this year over 300 of them were children and some of those parents that sent their children to our neighborhood Bible clubs are now asking for alpha courses in their neighborhood so they can learn about the Jesus their children are learning about. 
That's caring in an extraordinary way. Your neighborhood, my neighborhood. How do we express care witness? Well, first, with our time. Secondly, hospitality, just inviting people in. I still remember the neighbor that said to us, after we'd been in our neighborhood for maybe two months, he says, I've talked to you more in these couple of months or a few weeks, whatever it was, than I've talked to anyone else in this neighborhood in five years. Yeah, it's making time to just live the love of Christ outside of the faith community. Now, for those of you who need a little more help in this, God wrote a song I'm supposed to do for you about this. This is called 50 Ways to Love Your Neighbor. With apologies to Paul Simon. And, and to God, incidentally. All right. <laughs> the problem is all inside your head, God said to me. The answer is easy if you think it faithfully. I'm going to help you learn to witness easily. There must be 50 ways to love your neighbor. There must be 50 ways to love your neighbor. Say hi from the yard, Gerard. That's just the first one. There's six more. <laughs> Greet walking the dog, Claude. Make cookies to share, Claire. Set your witness light free. Hold a summertime party, Marty. Invite him to the game, James. Have him over for a dinner, Kimmer. <laughs> Set your witness life free. The problem is all inside your head, God said to me. The answer is easy if you live it faithfully. I'd like to teach you how to witness easily. There must be 50 ways to love your neighbor, your workplace, strangers. Care expresses the inordinary love of God to the world, okay? <laughs> I'm looking at some of you guys, you're going, what a fool. <laughs> All right. I get that, and I'll die being a fool if it will help people to catch God's plans. I could care less. I could care less about impressing anybody if through laughter you catch what God wants to do in your life. Okay. Care witness. Zelly, um, when we start the new church in Streamwood, and, uh, which we hope is going to be next fall, we, we don't know the location yet. We're real close on location. But Will and I and maybe up to 200 of you are going to go. We're actually going to do care witness in that world before we start our first church service. That's the imprint you want to make in a community first. Um, and the 20th of this month, uh, the March 20th, Sunday, right after the 11.15 service, we're going to have a luncheon for anyone who wants to hear more about Streamwood. Okay. All right. Finally, share witness. Share witness. Prayer witness, care witness, share witness. Again, you find it in the passage in a surprising place. My friend Ajit Fernando from Sri Lanka is the one that points this out in his uh, commentary. Verse 32, all the believers were one in heart and mind, and nobody claimed any of their possessions was their own. They just gave everything away. 
They shared everything they had. But look at verse 33, right in the middle of the passage. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So right in the middle of teaching care witness, they paused to say, but share witness was happening right with it. There were no needy persons among them. So much so that people sold vacation houses to give the money to help reach people. All the time, talking about what Jesus Christ had done. So you've got care witness, share witness, care witness, all bundled together there. Very interesting. With boldness, they would tell the story. I, I bring this up because I know this is the hardest part. I know the share witness is the hardest part. The hardest and it's the most important. Because if we don't tell them why we care, they'll think it's because of us. And it ain't. It's because of God in us. Care without share is like saying, feed the poor if you must, and if you must, use food. You can't communicate Jesus Christ without your mouth opening, declaring who he is to people. It just got to go with it. Jesus was quite strong about this. I think he knew we'd have trouble. Look at this verse. And, and as you read it, it's a little frightening. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. God's real serious about this. God so loved the world, he left us here so that we would carry on his communication of all that Jesus did and the results, forgiveness of sins and the coming of the Holy Spirit. It's our task. It's our job. It was 2,000 years ago. It is now. I know it's hard. So let me just suggest this. If you find it hard to verbalize your love of God to other people, start small. For instance, you got this card in your program folder. Easter for everyone. You're invited. On the back, it's got our times. If you have neighbors, co-workers, who don't go to a church, they will probably go on Easter if they'll try it out at any time. So you just give them one of these. And say, if you don't have a church family, we'd love to have you visit us. I'd even be glad to meet you at the door and sit with you. You have just done share witness. Here's another way. Take them to films. Friends, Marie and I went and saw Risen last night. It's really quite good. It'd be a great thing to take neighbors and friends to. Start small. As you start small, God will start opening up opportunities for you to do even more. And I don't know if you know this, but we actually created a little pamphlet which explains the gospel of Jesus Christ as clearly as we know how that you can use with it for anybody. It's called My Story, God's Story. We even contracted with an artist that created the images in it. Now, I want to show them to you real quick. Number one on the left, you see somebody sitting there pondering the meaning of life. Number two, realizing that there's a vast separation or a chasm between us and God. Number three, we point out through the scriptures that human beings try to find their own way across the cavern, usually by trying to be good enough which never works. Number four, 
Jesus Christ dying for us becomes the bridge or the chasm across. And we've got scriptures that go along with everyone. And you can just read this with someone who's interested. Listen, you don't force this on people. You know, you don't go over to your neighbor's house and say, I don't care what you're doing. And I don't like you much. <laughs> what was your name? Uh, but when you get into relationships with people where there's mutual caring happening, of course you want to tell them more. You say, could I have 10 minutes to just kind of explain the essence of what Christian faith is? Or sometimes I will just leave this with a person that I've spoken a few words to. Say, could I just give you this and I'll sign it? Might even date it. Might even write my email if they want to follow up with me afterwards. We sell these in our bookstore. I think they're two for a dollar. They're really inexpensive. But I, I keep these with me wherever I go. I can use my voice and I can use the written word. Share witness. Prayer, care, share. The verse I use to close this message is this. We are God's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. He does. That's what we do. That's the new normal, everybody. That's how it's meant to be. I just can't wait until we are so contagious with our love for God that all of us are giving that away to others, using our own personality, not trying to be anybody else, just being who we are. Because I remember the joy that I saw this week on one of our pastor's faces when he came into my office and said, you can't believe what happened as a result of our prayers. And I'm never going to forget my pastor friend who sent a note to tell us that he got to be there and watch as God birthed a soul and that he was weeping. And I'm not going to forget John sitting right there coming up to me afterwards and saying, I, in, in my business world, it was a lunchtime deal or a Friday night deal. And right next to me, this woman says, yes, I want to know God that way. Oh, this is what we were made for. This is the great adventure. This is the new normal. Let's pray. And so, Lord, for my friends, brothers and sisters in faith, all of us a part of our church, every one of our staff members, everyone, Lord, I pray that you will fill us with the love for lost people so much that we'll do anything to help them know through prayer and care and share. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.